Hey, I'm Megan Copeland. And I'm Kendra Bartlett, and this is the His Beloved of Texas podcast. So we're two moms that live across the street from each other. Together, we have 10 kids, and we love our Catholic faith. We lead a women's group in Austin, Texas called His Beloved of Texas, where our goal is just to bring women to sit at the feet of Jesus. This podcast was born out of the pandemic. We were stuck at home and still wanted to minister, and so we decided to start sharing stories of how God has worked in our lives and in the lives of our friends. And here we are today, season three. Three. And our hope for this podcast is that you hear stories of joy, stories of heartache, but through all of it, you see Jesus and you know that there's hope. There's hope for us because God is walking every step of the way. We laugh, we cry, we say some crazy things. What is the thing you want to tell us, Kendra? Oh, I really enjoy folding fitted sheets. (laughs) And I think that's crazy. (laughs) We're so glad you're here. Join us. Hey, Kendra. Hi, Megan. How are you? I'm good. Good. So we're sitting here looking out the window and there's like ice and snow on the ground. Yes, it's beautiful. And it's melting. So it's kind of fun to see newness come up, you know? like Yeah. I just, it's funny because we walked outside the door yesterday, um, to walk over here to play game night and, and crunching on the ice. And I was like, it's too soon PTSD from last year. <laughs> you know, I know. I think we're all a little shaken. We're like, Oh, yeah. people stormed the grocery stores before the ice came. And it was yeah. crazy. I haven't left the house, so I don't know what it's like Are out you? there. That's true. <laughs> I literally have not got out the front door. I think I did that last time too. I was like, y'all can just come to me. It's fine. <laughs> Francesca and I walked into Dollar Tree yesterday because she's having a birthday party and, you know, y'all went to Dollar I, Tree too? I waited until the last minute to get her stuff and it's like, okay, before the roads really freeze, we need to go. Um, and we walked in and the, the employee like looked at us. <laughs> For a really long, awkward time. Why? What is important she enough goes, to come to Dollar Tree today? I don't understand why anybody is shopping today. <laughs> she just went back to her business. I can't believe they're open. She's like, why am I here? I know. I know. But it was Everything great. else in the entire world is shut down. Why yeah. am I here? Yeah. It's funny. Um, so God has given us this sweet little window right now to record whenever all of our children are home, but yet unseen. Where are they? It's quiet. It is For quiet. now, anyways. We have the fire <laughs> crackling and... Um, and we thought we would just have a little, I guess, pause from our series. Um, we've been uh, so privileged to interview some incredible holy men yeah. of the color. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they have really just spoken to our hearts in so many ways. And we've gotten messages from y'all and how they've impacted your hearts as well. And um, so we wanted to pause and just have a little moment, just Megan and I, to maybe recap a little bit of those, um, conversations, maybe what's spoken to our hearts, maybe share yeah. our own journey. And, um, and also like we, we want to shift eventually soon into what's next. Like, how yeah. do we live this out? How do we, um, share this gift of our faith and trust in the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist with our children? Mm-hmm. Um, and how do we become disciples? Because we know it's Jesus. Yeah. Right. We can't keep that quiet. Right. We um, wouldn't want to either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to do a segment on discipleship, um, a little more intensely, I guess you could say, but, um, <laughs> that guest couldn't make it this time. <laughs> it's my husband. <laughs> that guest, Chris Bartlett. That's so funny. So. Well, and I think 
the reason we decided to do this episode or this whole series is because we feel really called. Like yeah. we feel this huge tug on our hearts to just point people to Jesus mm-hmm. and just say like, he's right there. Mm-hmm. He's right there. And and that started for me. I mean, obviously we've always had this calling. We wouldn't have the podcast and the, yeah. and the ministry if we didn't, but it really solidified around December. And so just showing people who Jesus is in the Eucharist. And so much of that is adoration. Mm-hmm. And and we talked about mass on one of the episodes and how adoration should always lead us to mass. But I've been drawn back to this adoration piece mm. because there's something deeper and more intimate. And it's a longer stirring of our hearts towards him. It's a longer moment to sit and really decompress. And I think a lot of times when we go to adoration, we don't have children climbing on us, right? right that yeah. helps. Yeah. <laughs> as sweet and wonderful as it is to bring them to Mass, sometimes it's nice to not have them, right? Yeah. And it gives us a moment to just be still yeah, and to hear and to listen and to really experience His heart mm-hmm. in a new and more profound way. And, and we talked about on one of our podcasts, like, what if you walk into the Adoration Chapel and you feel nothing? Or it's overwhelming for you to be in this quiet place. Mm -hmm. Like, have you ever had that experience? Oh, yeah. The silence is deafening. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost loud. Like, the silence is loud. I remember describing it when I first started having a regular holy hour. Yeah. It was interesting to kind of process through that. Five minutes feels like three hours. Mm -hmm. It's like the, and you, and you don't want to be distracted. Like you want to be focused. And so then it's like, you don't want to like busy yourself with other things. Then it feels like it takes longer and longer and longer. But I've also had moments where I feel like it's five minutes, but it's been an hour. Right. Like you just get so engrossed. You get to that, to that point. But in the beginning, it's hard to get there. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think part of what we want to talk about today too, is for those of you guys who a either have no idea what we're talking about when we talk about Jesus in the Eucharist. Or B, maybe you've heard this your whole life, but you've mm-hmm. never really experienced what it feels like to have your heart burn inside of you while looking at Jesus and the monstrance and adoration. Or C, you go and you try, but you're just not, it, it still feels deafening. The sil- mm-hmm. silence is still too much. Like we kind of want to give our stories of mm-hmm. where where we started from. Neither one of us were raised knowing Jesus was present in the Eucharist and believing it and and wanting to run to him in the Eucharist and be near him all the time. Neither one of us. So we kind of had to learn that along the way. So we're going to share our stories. Yeah. You ready to go first? Sure. (laughs) I just put you on the spot. So so I'm a cradle Catholic and um, I received confirmation and first communion, gosh, I think both of the sacraments before. So I didn't realize you were young. Yeah. How did I not know that till the other day? I have no idea. Why? I don't really. Was your parish, did everyone do that or were you a special circumstance? I think everybody did. Okay. I mean, that's typically. Honestly, I don't know. It's actually more appropriate than than receiving in high school to receive confirmation earlier. It's it's an American thing to receive in high school, but you just don't hear that a lot around here. Right. Right. And our parish wasn't, um, it was an active parish insofar as like great community. And I remember my parents just being very involved and playing with all the kids or on the church grounds and stuff. So mm-hmm. it was, it was, a, I have delightful memories from that place. Um, but I don't remember ever like really 
being shown that I can have a personal relationship with Jesus. Mm. That, I mean, I was taught head knowledge of the faith. Don't mm-hmm. quite remember it. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I remember one time my grandma was my RE teacher. They called it CCD back then. And I remember um, one time to like to get us engaged, she had a dollar somewhere around the room and we had to like guess where it was. And I won the dollar and everybody kind of <laughs> cheated because I was a granddaughter. <laughs> uh, that's, like, that's my most profound memory <laughs> from CCD, which is pretty sad. Um, but, you know, it, it's good to have that book knowledge. It's good to know those things. But um, it's another thing to connect the head to the heart. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, growing up, in that world, um, it was really just the head yeah. for me. You, you know, had like experienced it. Yeah. So we went to mass because we had to. My parents, you know, I, I was excited whenever they said, Oh, we're not gonna make it this weekend. I was like, Yes, mm-hmm. you know. And so it wasn't really the the importance of um the priority wasn't there. And and not to bash my parents in any way, they didn't, they couldn't give what they didn't have. Like right. they too were catechized in that way, you know? Mm-hmm. They had never experienced Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, we were kind of generationally right. Catholic, I guess you As could say. As are many people yeah. of our generation. Like it yeah, was that's just, true. There, there's a gap there mm-hmm. in, in truly knowing and experiencing Jesus and being catechized. Like it's a yeah. both and, it's right? A both and, they for they sure. missed out on both. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, and so, I attribute my relationship with Jesus to my Protestant friends with fellowship of Christian athletes and, um, you know, great God, God, I I just look back on my, like, especially my high school years, which are such formative years and, and part of junior high. And, and the girls that I hung out with were like good, solid Jesus loving girls. Um, and so we kind of, champion one another on in that path. Um, and so, but I, I left the church whenever I went to college because I didn't really have the heart connection, right. Mm-hmm. It was elsewhere. And so for me, journeying back to the, the church, um, was four years later. And it was because I, I had a deep longing as I've come to know God in a deeper way I had a longing to show him deeper reverence. Mm-hmm. And I remembered that through kneeling throughout mass and, and that sort of thing. And, and granted, so here's another thing is um, growing up, we didn't have an adoration chapel. I never mm-hmm. heard of adoration, didn't even know it existed until um, I came back to the church in college and the church there in College Station had an adoration chapel and um, I was around young adults through, you know, volunteering with Chris's youth group that did that. And so, um, it was a slow progression of this feels right. Like this is what the depth of my heart longed for, um, in, in worship, in, um, sitting with him and, and that sort of thing. And so it was like slowly my head and my heart, we're connecting mm-hmm. and it took a while. Right. So it wasn't like immediately I came back to the church and like knew 100% that Jesus was truly present in the Eucharist and that sort of thing. But I, I came back to the church trusting her mm. and trusting that what, um, they teach is true. And 
um, I remember going through the Lamb Supper, Scott Hans mm-hmm. book, the Lamb Supper, and that was my first huge head and heart awakening in connection for me regarding the Eucharist is, um, and if y'all please read that book, it's just absolutely incredible. Um, but it, it connects the new Testament and the old Testament. And I had never really paid attention to the old Testament, right. you know, and the, especially, um, I guess just the, the Protestant churches that I went to, we were never challenged to dive into the old Testament, you know? Mm. And so it was never, um, a priority. It was never taught like you need to, you know, dive into both of them, mm-hmm. um, until, you know, Scott Hans book. And so it tied it all together for me in such a deep way that slowly, um, me just trusting became truth, mm. but it took a while. Yeah. Right. So it was me just stepping out in faith and trust and slowly like, and, and I was honest and raw with God. Like, I don't see you. Like I, you know, mm-hmm. I was just totally raw and honest with him. And he slowly, I can look back and just see how he revealed a little here, a little there. And some of it are deep mysteries that I don't think we're supposed to know. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Like if we knew everything, we would not be able to live. Like right. it would we just wouldn't need him. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a huge turning point for me was the Liam Supper. And then um, later on, like a couple years later, I remember, I don't know what, what happened to me, but um, I remember Philomena and Francesca were the only two we had. So they were little and we lived a good 20, 25 minutes away from the church. Um, but I just had this deep conviction to receive Jesus every day. And so for two weeks... Like that was what we did every single day because we went to daily mass with crying kids and it was crazy. Um, And it was transformative. I mean, receiving the Eucharist is the highest form of prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, it is. Um, And the highest form of worship and to be completely united with him. And I felt it. I felt this shift happen within my heart. Um, Just completely confirming his transformative power Hmm. as you receive him, if that makes any sense. Oh, that's good. Um, So granted, that only happened for two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, two weeks is impressive. It was really hard to keep that up. But I always look back on that season like, okay, I I rely on that that time and that feeling of knowing what he did. And so um, from, from there on, it's just this this deeper relationship. And then I, um, committed to a holy hour once a week. So I've been doing that. I was thinking about this. I've been doing that for six or seven years now. That's awesome. I I didn't realize how long that had been. just seems like I started that like one or two years ago. Um, but that has been clutch for me is having my Monday night hour with him. Mm -hmm. Um, and my weeks that are difficult, my days that are hard. I always know that that is my standing date with him. And, um, and there's times whenever, you know, like you said, I just sit there and it's like, what do I do? Tweedledee, you know, my brain is racing. Mm-hmm. I go off into weird places. Um, but also there's been some beautiful, incredible, powerful moments there of just deepening our love language to one another and, um, opening me up to hearing him in a more intimate way. Um, and also I, I feel like it's, it's, um, firmed up the foundation of 
I am his. Hmm. It allows you a moment to let him love on you mm-hmm. every single week. Yeah. And that, yeah. of course, that's going to build your relationship with him because you're in his presence. You get to hear him. You get to see him. You get to experience him. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's, obviously, all of those things happen at Mass too, mm-hmm. but it's nice to have those moments of just reverence yeah. and focus and no distraction and yeah. nothing pulling at you or calling yeah. you this way or... And, the, and there was a season whenever, I forget which kid I had. I had one of my kids that was just a crier and I still like infant child and, and I still took them to my holy hour. Um, but I couldn't go into the adoration chapel. I had to Aww. sit in the church right next door. And so I peeked in to make sure there was someone there, um, you know, cause we don't want to leave Jesus alone. And then I would go into the church and I, that lasted for three or four months Wow! and it was heart wrenching. It was so hard for me to do that. Um, but I still showed up and I remember, um, just to the point of just crying out. And so I was in the church and, um, this is towards the end of the the time whenever I had to go in, in the other church, you know, the side chapel. Um, where Jesus isn't exposed in the monstrance. He's still in the tabernacle, but you know, it's just, he's not exposed. And, um, the youth group, the, uh, Jay, Jay squad crew. Mm-hmm. So they're the group that Chris had that teens wanted to go deeper after confirmation. Mm-hmm. They came in for a praise and worship night Oh wow. and I didn't know that they were going to be in there. And so I got to sit there in prayer with my baby and have praise and worship sung over me. And I just felt like it was God's just intimate gift just to me. And I heard him, this was the loudest I have ever, um, heard him speak to me. And he said, I love you Mm. like so loud. And I just wept, I just wept and wept and wept and wept. And it was just so powerful. So beautiful. I love that so much. Like think about what that did for his heart too, mm. like your dedication, because it's hard as a mom. And mm-hmm. I know there's probably so many times you're like, well, it'd be easier if I just didn't go. I mean, that's what I would tell myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure watching you walk in that door was just like so much joy for, mm. for the Lord, for the guardian, your guardian angels, for all the saints in heaven, like just yeah. to see you and know that you powered through and you came and then he just like showers you with love. That's yeah. the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. <laughs> It was so sweet. So that's awesome. You know, I've been reading a lot about um, churches and how we can build up our faith and all these things. And one of the things they say is like one of the highest predictors of faith in a parish is whether or not they have Eucharistic adoration Mm. perpetual. Yeah. That makes so much sense. It does. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it makes sense for a couple of reasons. One is there's people constantly praying for the parish, Uh but two, this just like occurred to me. It's changing the hearts of those people. Yes. Yeah. If you have several hundred people in your parish that are spending time with Jesus every single week, that's mm-hmm. several hundred people whose hearts are being transformed Yeah, in your yeah. parish. Like, yeah. what a gift that is. And they're being, I've been thinking about this, like, um, living in a place of being open and, what's the word? like ready to be activated by the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. And so you're in that place of, of willingness. Right. And so, yeah, all those people that are deepening the relationship with Jesus, who are coming to know the love language between him and you yeah. and hearing him more clearly so that you can be activated in the spirit to do 
what he needs you to do. Right. Right. And that doesn't mean always like leading a women's ministry. Like it doesn't (laughs) mean that, you know, it's, it's, um, just being open to loving your neighbors, loving your neighbors, going home and, and speaking tenderly to your children or, you know, having the grace to apologize after you lost your temper, just little things like that. Um, that's activation in the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. What about you? Well, I was just thinking what when you were saying? telling the story about um, not being able to go into the chapel. Did I ever tell you tell on the podcast a story about when I got locked out of the Adoration Chapel? Have I, have I don't I told think that so. Story? No. Oh, this, this is one of my favorites. <laughs> I'm a nut oh, dog. but I remember this. Do you remember this? Yes. So I. It's great. Oh, gosh. I was <laughs> so in funny. Georgetown. I think our girls were at theater or something. Mm-hmm. And I had time to kill. And I needed to write a lesson for Mobile Loaves and Fishes Camp, which is this camp in Austin that's amazing and teaches kids how to love and serve the poor. And so I kind of like had a goal that I needed to do. And I was like, well, I don't want to write it by myself. I want to write it with Jesus. Like I want to Mm -hmm. be in his presence so I can write this lesson. And he'd already been kind of stirring in my heart what needed to be written, but I wanted to be near him. And so I go to the church down the street and it's St. Helens in Georgetown. And I guess I've never really been to St. Helens. I didn't, didn't know the campus at all. And so I try to go in the church. It's locked. I went to every single door in the church. I tried like back doors and the side doors and all the doors and they're all locked. And I did kind of like wonder if they had an adoration chapel, but I didn't see one. There was uh-huh. a whole bunch of buildings. And then I realized that through the front doors of the church, if I peeked in real tiny, I could see Jesus in the monster or in the tabernacle. Through the crack of through the, the crack doors. of the doors. <laughs> And it was so cool because when I stuck my like little face in there, I could also smell like mm. like the wood pews and the incense and mm-hmm. like so it was like this very beautiful sensory experience. But I couldn't like write my lesson with my face in the door. So <laughs> so I got all my books out and I sat on the ground and I had all my books out and I'm writing and then I would like go over and like breathe in a little bit of Jesus and look at him in the tabernacle. And then I go back and sit down. And so I did this, I don't know for how long, maybe 20 minutes or so. so. (laughs) The funny thing about it is what I did not realize is the front door of the sanctuary is like right across from the church offices. Mm -hmm. And um, the the priest's window (laughs) faces the church. And so he's watching me. And like he sees this crazy woman who has walked all over the church and keeps putting her face in the door and Uh is sitting down and he comes out and he says, we have this thing at our church called Eucharistic Adoration and we have a perpetual chapel. Would you like to see that? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I would. Thank you very much. And so he like, I think he thought I was crazy. So instead of just like directing me where to go, he walks me all through the church Uh and like, here you go, sit down. Like... I was so funny, crazy, but it was funny though, because it was one of those moments where I was like the most in tune with the Lord. Like, I love your childlike faith though. Like that is so beautiful just to go up to the crack and get a little peek and a little sniff and then go back and get with Jesus. Well, and it was working. I was like, I got all this insight. Like the Uh Lord is telling me what to write. Anyways, obviously sitting at his feet in a real adoration devil. It's much, much better than, you know, oh my gosh. than being in there. Um, That's amazing. But no, for my story, I um, was not raised Catholic. I was raised Methodist. And, and kind of like you said, like I remember having lots of friends at that church. Mm-hmm. We, my parents met there. All of my aunts and uncles, everybody went to that church. But, but there was really no deep faith there at all, um, at least as far as my family was concerned. Um, and 
I do remember there being like one year, the year I was confirmed that I might have had a spark of the Holy Spirit, but that was about it. And um, mostly it was just, we go once or twice a month at best, and mm-hmm. I didn't have much of a faith at all. And um, so it wasn't until I, um, I guess it was right before I got pregnant with Ella, I started like really questioning and wondering. And my friend Brooke had a big conversion and I watched her and I said, I don't know what she has, but I want it. Like mm-hmm. I saw the Holy Spirit in her and it was so cool to see the way the Lord just transformed her heart. And can I ask something? Yeah. So in that season of, of seeing her and knowing she has something that you wanted, what did you feel you were long? Like, could you pinpoint what you longed for? I was starting to, mm-hmm. and, and I knew that she'd had this conversion. Right. Yeah. And I, I guess at that point, I didn't really know what a relationship with God would do for your heart and for your mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And and I, you know, I grew up in like the Bible Belt South where yeah. no, there was no MTV and there was no drinking or dancing at weddings and everything was very, very, yeah. Wow. Yeah. We were not allowed to have any events on Wednesday nights because that was church night. And mm-hmm. that was the, the world I grew up in. It was very fire and brimstone. Um, we had this place called the Hell House that like taught you. <laughs> Why would go to hell? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, at your on your church campus? It was just like in my town, but I went to it. Scared the <gasps> heck out of me. All the all the ways I could find myself in hell didn't really make me um, convert to anything, but yeah. did scare the heck out yeah. of me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of the environment. I, I know, isn't that funny? They still do it too. I'm still processing. <laughs> no, they totally act out like scenes of oh of gosh. teenagers doing <gasps> things that are sinful. And then ending up in hell. I know. Oh, it's crazy. Anyways, not what I would call good evangelization. No, no. Um, but I see their their reasoning like wanting to, you know, capture the hearts of these teens. So anyways, I just had never really seen what that would look like. And it wasn't until Brooke had her big conversion that I was like, oh, there's more than just following rules. Mm-hmm. Because I also led a very sinful life at that time too. And I didn't really want to give up all the things that I was, sure, you know, the friendships yeah. and all the things. So, um, so yeah, at that point I didn't really know. And I married Chad, who was Catholic and he was kind of, kind of sort of a go to mass, but we didn't go at all in college. And, um, when we got married, we went every once in a while, but, and I tried to the Catholic thing for a little while. And then I was like, this just doesn't, I I didn't know what I was doing. Like we'd walk in the church and we'd stand, there would be standing and they're sitting and Mm -hmm. there's kneeling. And I don't have a clue why anybody's sitting or kneeling. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it's in reverence to the King, you know, no one's, and, and Chad didn't have the knowledge to share that with me. He just did it because he did it. You know, he didn't know either. And um, and so I asked a million awful questions and um, kind of really stuck at him for a while. And I was ready to just completely walk away forever. And then he invited me to a retreat. And it was the chirp retreat. And he went two weeks before me. And then I went. And... I knew when I walked into that retreat, I was looking for Jesus mm-hmm. and I wanted a relationship with him. Like I was at that point where I was ready. I did not think I was going to find that in the Catholic church. I really mm. thought this is a place that the Lord is not moving and active mm-hmm. and present. And I need to go somewhere where he is. That was really That's interesting my... because yeah, an outsider looking in the mass looks very archaic. Well, and, and if you don't right? know, right, yeah, it yeah. feels... 
quiet and, you know, uh-huh. cold, not cold, but you know what I mean? Like, I didn't know. Right. I didn't know what was going right. on and There's I didn't understand it. Every little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Sorry. Right. I didn't yeah, know all the meaning. Sense. So, yeah. and I, and I didn't really know why I was there and I had asked to join a Bible study at a church and they told me no, cause I wasn't Catholic. It's was like crazy. Anyways. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I fully expected that wasn't going to be the place I was going to find him. And then I had a real experience with the Holy Spirit at that first retreat and I still didn't understand the Eucharist piece, though, at all. Um, it's very hard to rewire your brain from a Protestant thought process of mm-hmm. who Jesus is in the Eucharist. It's very hard because it's all you've ever been taught. And and so it took me a while to get to that point. And one of the things that was beautiful about the Chirp Retreat, I think I can say this without like <laughs> giving away the secrets, <laughs> is there was Eucharistic adoration, perpetual, all night long. Um, and the team members would uh, sign up to go uh, be with the Lord. And we did a lot of our talks in the room with with Jesus exposed on the altar. And I didn't get any of that. Mm. I didn't know. I knew I felt something in that space, but I didn't know why I felt it. Mm-hmm. And um, And I could not have pinpointed that it was because Jesus is present on the altar. Like that just, those words didn't, they just weren't in my brain. Um, and then I went back, I put on a retreat. So again, just completely surrounded by Jesus in the Eucharist, didn't really understand why. Um, and then six months later became Catholic. And then right after I became Catholic, I led one of those retreats again, like now I'm receiving Jesus in the Eucharist, but I'm still not really Mm -hmm. getting it. I didn't have this like overnight aha, or, or even like, I remember someone saying to me one time I was pregnant. And she was going through RCIA and she said, if I was pregnant like you, I would not be able to not receive Jesus in the Eucharist. It would kill me to not be able to receive him and have my child receive him too. Wow. And she wasn't Catholic. Like she was in RCIA. And I looked at her and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't have that feeling. Yeah. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. understand that. And I didn't. And and but it was interesting because I really was experiencing him in some ways. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I had this huge, huge conversion of spirit, but it took a while for my heart and my brain to really understand the Eucharist piece. And uh, there was definitely something that happened the night that I became Catholic, I believe, in my life. And I don't know if it was the confirmation or the Eucharist or the graces of both. Mm-hmm. Um, but my heart really changed and just like the Lord just propelled me forward. And and I do believe it's because I started receiving Jesus um, in the Eucharist that night. And um, I went to DCYC a couple months later. And that's a big Catholic youth conference that the Diocese of Austin puts on. And it's like 2,000 screaming kids. And it's just miraculous. <laughs> I mean, the way that um, in adoration on Saturday night, the the reverence of those kids the love that they pour out for the Lord Mm -hmm. and the way the spirit moves in that room is, is just unlike anything I'd ever witnessed in my life. And that I would say was the first time I felt the presence of the Lord in the Eucharist. And I'd been Catholic at this point for probably maybe a year, but that was the first time I really experienced Mm -hmm. him. And I was like, I need to go back to that place, <laughs> whatever that is. Let's do that again. And I think part of it too is because um, the Lord speaks to me through music. And so com- accompanying music and him truly yeah. present is really powerful for me. For me, But then I wasn't able to like bring that 
level of connection with him back to like a quiet adoration chapel Mm -hmm. or a mass on Sunday. I couldn't bridge that gap, you know? And, um, and that took a while. I would say probably years before I was really able to sit in adoration and just rest in his presence and experience him and know that he was truly there and, and desire that, like long for that moment to be with him in adoration. That, that was not something that happened quickly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at all for me. And I would say I still, for most Sundays, don't fully recognize him in the mass even, mm-hmm. you know, as much as I desire to, and that's a prayer of my heart. I'm not always like 100% in tune with the Lord in mass because, mm-hmm. because sometimes it can feel kind of um, routine Sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's, and and the routine is beauty, beautiful because it draws us in. It should draw us into right. this moment with him and remind us. It's it's like when we put a kid to bed at night. They say, you know, put her in her sleep sack and give her her blankie and yeah. and do all the same things every night because it tells her body it's time mm. to rest. And the mask can do the same thing for us if we allow it. Like we have this routine and and we might even smell the incense and hear the bells yeah. and and those are supposed to draw us like tune us into. That's him. Like, that's can Jesus. I ha- can I just real quick? Yeah. So the incense thing, I had this aha moment at Mass this past Sunday. I love, hate the incense. Yeah. Well, you have a child that reacts very right. poorly to it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Me too. So, you know, they they waft it. I don't even know the term. So What's that swingy thing called? <laughs> yeah. We're going to call it wafting. So he wafts. <laughs> he wafts. Weird word. <laughs> it is. Yes, it is. Uh, so he walks around the altar. This is as we're preparing. We, we've shifted from liturgy of the word to liturgy of the Eucharist. And preparing the altar for the sacrifice of the mass, which is about to occur, right? And so he's walking around the altar, wafting it with incense, and it's rising up to the heavens. And it's, you know, a visual for us and, and a, a smell, right, for mm-hmm. us to unite our hearts as well as it lifts up into the heavens. But then he turns around and he wafts at us. And I was like, why is he wafting at us? What's the point of that? And I realized, I just had this simple aha moment that as he's preparing the altar, he's also preparing us because the altar is going to soon have Jesus Christ on the altar. Mm -hmm. And we're about to have Jesus Christ in our bodies. That's cool. So that's why we get wafted. (laughs) Wafted. That cracks me up. Well, and we're part of the sacrifice too. Like we are part of the sacrifice of mass. Well, you know what's funny is I've been reading Leviticus, Uh which I've always thought no one needs to read Leviticus. That's stupid. Like (laughs) just just skip that one. It's fine. And uh, and it was actually Jeff Cavins, I think, that told me that, not in those words, but yeah. in, a, in a Bible study I did. He was like, yeah, just skip that one. You'll get bogged down in it. It's fine. Well, then I'm doing, you know, Father Mike's Bible in a year. And uh, he said, Jeff Cavins was like, I have changed my mind on this. And really, wow. we should all read Leviticus. And uh-huh. let's, let's do and this. Can you explain who Jeff Cavins is? Yeah, Jeff Cavins is the guy who, I believe he was a Protestant pastor. He was. Yeah, yeah, and he converted to Catholicism. And yeah. he wrote the Great Adventure Bible Timeline, which changed my life. I did this... Um, Gosh, when Livy was a baby, so really? 12 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it changed my life. And it's funny, though, because I learned so much scripture at that time, and um, and I've taught scripture since then a ton to lots uh-huh. of people, anybody who will listen to me. And But I think I learned it so quickly, I missed a lot, because there's only so much oh, your brain can take yeah. in. Yeah. So now I'm noticing these things that I never caught before, and it's like blowing my mind every second. So one of them is Leviticus. Mm-hmm. 
So Leviticus is like the the right after the Lord brought the Israelites out of Egypt, and He's basically teaching them how to honor Him, how to love Him. Like mm-hmm. there's there's no magisterium of the church. There's no anything that says like this is how you should be a good, mm-hmm. they don't have Christians, but a good Jew or a good Israelite. Right. And so he's teaching them. And so he's, I'm on chapter eight and the first eight chapters has been all about sacrifice, wow. the sacrifice of prayer, the sacrifice of on the altar. Uh-huh. And I never realized how much that leads into the mass. And yeah. it's like blowing my mind. And so um, they keep talking about like burnt offerings and the unleavened bread offering yeah. and all these things that are like so close to what we um, experience. But one of the things they keep talking about is the certain way that you're supposed to burn the meat. And it's Uh supposed to be the most beautiful, like the best parts of the meat, the part that you would want to eat is the part that you give, right? It's like Uh giving your first fruits Mm -hmm. of your heart. And, uh, and it says, and then let that waft. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And he keeps talking about how it's a fragrant odor to the Lord. Yes. There's, there's quite a few, um, what are they called? Uh, Mm. Types? I don't know. No, like the the moments in scripture where um, covenants. Oh, covenants. <laughs> yeah, and and they burn incense, and multiple times it says that it's a fragrant offering to the Lord. Yeah, on a lot of and, and it, it was funny because it calls it an odor, a pleasing odor a pleasing to the Lord. Odor, I'm sure, and I'm like, that's such a funny good. like words, but but Wafting it's pleasing. Odors. I know, right? <laughs> but it made me think about like those moments in mass with. Yeah the incense, like just raising Mm. up into the heavens and all of us, you know, giving of our hearts and our sacrifice and whatever that looks like it. And it may be that you're out in the back of the church quieting a two-year-old for the entire time, but that's Mm -hmm. like, that's a fragrant odor to the Lord. Like it's a sacrifice of your heart and it's pleasing to him. Or it may be you're sitting in the church next door because you can't be in the adoration chapel because you're holding a baby like you are. All these things. Anyway, so it's just like kind of blowing my mind. I forgot where I was going with all this, (laughs) but, um, but it's, but I'm really enjoying it. And, um, I feel like, yeah, I feel like he's teaching me something new. Yeah. Every day. So I, I cut you off with the wafting. What was I talking about before that? I'm so sorry. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You were sharing your story. I would think of, well, I think that's the end of it. I think so. (laughs) We'll see if it comes back later on. Um, Oh, there was one more part I was going to tell, and it was oh, it was about like fully receiving him in mass. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Because okay. there's some days in mass where I feel his presence so dearly, and I look out on the around the church, and I see people just kind of like you said the other day, kind mm-hmm. of like in a trance, like they're not really there. Mm-hmm. They're just going through the motions. And there's some days I just want to like scream and run around and like whack people on the head and be like, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. <laughs> And then there's other days where I'm one of those people, right? right? Yeah. And um, me too. And a couple of years ago, I um, went to church in Round Rock called Saint, at a church called Saint John Vianney, and I was really kind of praying into like, Lord, I want to see you on the altar. I want to experience you. I want to know your presence, and mm-hmm. I want to feel you in mass the way I feel you in adoration. And how can we make that happen? <laughs> make that happen, Lord. <laughs> yeah. And. Um, and it was in the middle of the consecration. And at St. John Vianney, there's this big, beautiful painting of Jesus' sacred heart, Jesus holding the sacred heart. And it was 
uh, it's huge. I mean, it's like bigger than life size. It's massive. And it's on the, the side of the altar. And it was smuggled out of Panama. Like, wow. Yeah. One of our um, parishioners smuggled it out of Panama. How do you smuggle a huge I don't image? know. I don't know. But it's a really Impressive. cool story. And she is a fun wow. gal. She's like full of stories. So it has this like really neat, you know, story to it and, and how it even ended up on the wall in our church. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. And so I'm at this angle, kind of diagonal from that painting. And in the moment when Father Tom lifts up Jesus in the Eucharist, I can see right across from the Eucharist, Jesus holding his sacred heart. And it was almost like like superimposed. Mm -hmm. Like I could see him and not Father Tom in a way. And it really felt like Father Tom in persona Christi holding mm-hmm. out the sacred heart of Jesus for all of us. Wow. And it blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, okay, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is what's happening. And and as we talked about on our podcast with Father Will, the the Eucharist truly is the aortic heart, you know, wall muscle of Jesus. Yeah. Like it truly is his sacred heart. And and it's his love for us. And it's his you know, um, I was just reading a quote earlier from St. Augustine, like there was nothing more he could have done for us. There was mm-hmm. nothing greater mm-hmm. than giving us himself in the Eucharist. Like if he'd had something bigger, he would have given it to us. Yeah. <laughs> like this is the greatest thing he could possibly do is right. give himself to us right. in the Eucharist. That's good. Mm. Yeah. But again, I forget that most weeks, but I try to I like know, go I back know, to yeah, that yeah, place. Yeah. And I, I, I want our listen, listeners to really hear that is um, we still struggle through this. Like we mm. don't have these huge moments every time we go to mass. Yeah. Like I confess quite often, you know, daydreaming at mass, you know, that, yeah. that happens. And, um, I wanted to share something that also helped for me, um, just kind of awakening me to the importance of mass. And it was whenever I met Chris and we're dating and and I had come back to the church, um, but I, I was still operating on like my parents' teaching of like, mm-hmm. it's okay to miss every now and then and that sort of thing. But um, he was adamant, like, you go to mass every Sunday and, you know, it, unless you're like deathly sick or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of like, okay, what's up with this? You know, what's going on here? And slowly it it opened me up to... Um, or, or didn't really open me up, but, but it concretely solidified within me, like, this is super important. You know, this isn't just an option. Um, and it's because he is our life. Mm. He's he's life giving and it's so important for us to receive him every week. Um, so having that mindset shift was really helpful for me. Yeah. And, and once a week is like the minimum Minimal, that we right. can function, right? Right. Like right. it's it's the and and I'm not a daily mass communicate. I wish I was, yeah. but yeah, like our, we need that mm-hmm. just to sustain ourselves. Yeah, from week to week, we cannot do it without him. Yeah, I, I like to think about to um, the Israelites in the desert and how God gave them manna, mm-hmm. and the manna only lasted one day. Mm. It was the bread from heaven, yeah, and they needed it every single day. Mm-hmm. They had to come back to him. They had to trust him. They had to um, continually seek him. And if they tried to store up the manna and save it, it went bad. Yeah. And and 
I think that that the Eucharist is is similar to that. Like we need him. And and we can also receive him in the word every day. Like there's ways yeah. that we can seek the Lord every day if we can't go to Mass every day, obviously. But the more we can, the yeah. more fulfilled we'll be. Right. Yeah. You're making me want to go to daily mass more. <laughs> but I have one of those babies that screams and yells and runs uh-huh. around. So I, I get it. I know. Um I so so how do we transition this to our children? How do we translate this to our children? Oh. Um and something that you know, I, I have kids that are like, oh, mass is boring. I don't want to go. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think we all pretty much have experienced that a little bit in our lives if you're if you're a parent. Um, but from my own personal story, I think just the foundation and the conviction of the parents is huge. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's what they see. Mm-hmm. Because I've been thinking about this a lot lately. A, an hour a week on a Sunday for Ari is never going to be enough for our kids. Mm-mm. It is not ever going to raise up a generation no. of strong, faithful Catholics. Right. It just can't. It'll get their heads ready. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, they'll, they'll <laughs> if know they went the, every year. The head stuff of the, you know, the teachings and the richness of the church. But yeah. If, it's it's not enough. Like it has to be yeah. living it out as a family and let that be what they see. So I have this thing that someone, I don't know if someone taught me this or I heard it on a podcast or something, but I started doing a couple of years ago. This is probably totally not theologically sound. So don't like, <laughs> don't quote me y'all, but I think it's really sweet. Um, before my kids are able to receive their first communion, mm-hmm. you know, you like when you go up to a to, to receive and you're holding a baby or a toddler, they kind of put their hands out like me more. Uh-huh. I want yes. some, or, you know, like they try to, there's one little kid that cried as their parents walked away. I want the white thing too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and then they have that when they're really little and then they get a little bit older and they realize, okay, I'm supposed to cross my arms and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I can't receive. And, and, and sometimes they'll even say, but why, why can't I receive Jesus? Mm-hmm. And I want to, and okay, it's not, it's not time yet, but you will someday. So just like creating that, like longing the for him. Yeah. And like, the holiness of who it is. Oh, we're going to see Jesus like this. Okay, you ready? Here we go. We're going to go in and see Jesus. And um, and so what I do with my kids before they get to first communion age is after I receive, I come back and give them a Jesus kiss. Oh, that is so sweet. <laughs> That's sweet. And it was really sweet. I'm just kind of gross, but it was really sweet when we can receive the wine because it yeah. kind of like smelled like it and, you yeah. know, and, it, and, uh, and, and it just gave this like longing of like, okay, I'm, I got to receive him, which is a really special moment. So now I'm going to share a little bit of that with yeah. you. And until you're... Oh my gosh, that is so sweet. I know. I don't know where I heard I it that. from, but it, it's been a really sweet kind of little moment for our yeah. kids. And and even for Chad, because uh-huh. part of Chad's um, illness is he can't receive the Eucharist. Yeah. And that's been, that's been a long, hard couple of years yeah. without being able to receive the Eucharist for him. So sometimes I'll give him a Jesus kiss too. <laughs> That's the best. Oh my gosh. That's the best. Um, taking kids into adoration is another thing too. Yeah. And I think um, many, many families kind of hold off on doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if the kids just come in there, say hi for five minutes right. and then leave, like that's such that's huge. a huge, be- yeah, it's so huge. It's a beautiful gift to them, but it's also a beautiful gift to those who are in the chapel as well. Yeah. It's a witness. It's incredible. And um, I think it also translates into the mass and their behavior. Like it's really weird. Cause I noticed, um, when we homeschooled, we went to daily mass every Friday and, um, as a family and the kids would go at school and that's sort of thing mm-hmm. with annunciation when they were there. Um, but the more they went to daily mass, the better behaved they were on Sundays. Mm. It was interesting. That is interesting. And you know, 
usually just trying to avoid daily mass because it's quiet. It's There's so no quiet. Music and, oh my goodness. You know, your kids are like thumping on the pews and you know, know. drop their sippy cup and it rolls to the front. You know, all the things the happen echoes. at daily mass. Yeah. 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 But the more that my kids went, the better behaved they were on Sundays and, and it trickled down to the younger and younger and younger ones. Too, yeah. It's really interesting. Well, it, I think there's something to be said for teaching reverence to our kids in terms of like, our king is in this room. Mm-hmm. This isn't just something we do because mom says so. Mm-hmm. We're not sitting still because it's the right thing to do or because you're going to get in trouble if you don't or because you're going to get a donut if you do. You know, right. there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of like. I'm not above bribery. <laughs> I'm not above bribery either, but yes. there's something deeper. And sometimes yeah. I'll see it like, I'll, I'll catch myself like yelling at them. I'm like, that's probably not making this a very holy, like fun place <laughs> for them to be. But, um, but teaching them like if a king, if we had a king or the president right. were to walk into this room right now, what would you, your body look like? Yeah. Would you be loud and wiggling all around or would you be like eyes focused on him? Yeah. And, and if it was a king, you'd kneel and you'd bow and you'd show yeah. your love. And this is the king of our hearts, the king of the universe, like right. greater than any king on this earth could ever be. Right. And, and I even say sometimes too, if Jesus were to walk in the room, if you saw him right now, what would your body do? And they'd like, I'd fall to the ground and just Aww. worship him. Well, he's here, you know, and I think the same is true for our own hearts, like reminding ourselves of that too. But I think adoration really helps us to remember that Mm -hmm. there's something Mm -hmm. so beautiful about the reverence and the holiness that, especially when Jesus is processed in, it's like, he's coming, like everybody hit their knees. And I think moments like that translate to better mass understanding for our kids, better mass mm-hmm. behavior for our kids, more interest in being there. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's like a two-step forward, one-step back kind of thing. Like yeah. they'll be really good and then they'll forget and I'll right. forget and we'll all forget. <laughs> we'll have yeah. a bad mass. And then, you know, yeah. but I, um, this is kind of bad. I took, um, my kids have every sacred Sundays this year because they got them from Aunt Lindsay for Christmas. And last week I didn't have mine mm-hmm. and I had everybody else's in the car, but mine and the <laughs> girls weren't with me. I was by myself. And so I took Livy's with me into mass <laughs> and I was like peeking through her thing. <laughs> Don't tell her. That's and so funny. and uh, there's a part on there that says like, um, oh, I think it was the priest asked, like, where have you felt Jesus recently? And she was like writing her answers and, and she wrote an adoration at his beloved. Wow. Yeah. And and when we first started bringing our girls to his beloved, it was like we had them there because we needed them to sell (laughs) t-shirts. But I'm seeing that like every opportunity we can give our kids Mm -hmm. to be in his presence and to see others loving him with all they have, it's the greatest gift we can give them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think his beloved and us doing this is just to show our kids how much we love Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like just so they can see us like really loving him. Mm-hmm. I think it's huge. Well, I think there's a depth to the young people that we don't give them credit for that right. we don't see within them. Like they have the same longing and stirring as we do because mm-hmm. we are all created for God, yeah. for communion with him, right? For unity with him. And so they may not recognize what that is. And so I think it's our job to see that and to say, you don't have to distract yourself with noise or stuff to sit still like it's okay to be a little squirmy right now but this is actually the desire of your heart mm, that's you know? so good this is what it is yeah deep down and 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 maybe that's not something you say that's just something you show them yeah and eventually they'll come to see and maybe look back on it you know 10 years down the road and like oh that was the foundation that I stand firmly on right now yeah or if they grow up and they leave the church they'll find their way back 
Because that foundation was poured and laid and, right. and strengthened. Well, because if you know, if you know that you know that you know that you know that Jesus is truly present in every single Catholic church, mm-hmm. most people don't really know, right? Mm-hmm. At least at least two-thirds don't really know. Mm-hmm. But if our kids know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is present in the Eucharist, they may stray, but they're going to come back to him mm-hmm. because they're not going to be able to find that in any other church. Right. Like if they're if they're looking for Jesus, I should say, if they're seeking him, mm-hmm. this is where they're going to find him because yeah. this is where he's present. And I think as parents, that is a mission that we have to Instill in them. Yeah, we have yeah. to share. And, and the same for us as adults too. Like even if you don't have kids and yeah. you're just on this journey on your own, like knowing that in your heart. That this is yeah. that even on the days when the music is weird and the you know the priest's homily wasn't great and and that church down the street looks a little shiny and beautiful and fun. Yeah, he's here. Yeah, he is like, truly and, and, here. And setting the example, like say you're going on vacation with just some of your young adult friends, you know, yeah. and the fact that you set aside Sunday, like I am going to mass. I would love for y'all to join me, but this is important to me. It's going to happen. Yeah, and you do that while you're on vacation, and and it's just. It's part of who you are. Yeah, that's it's been a big transformation for my family. Mm-hmm. Is um, we didn't do that when we were younger. Like we didn't go on to mass on vacation, and I mean, even like the beginning part of our marriage, we didn't, you know, because we didn't go to mass a lot. And when the kids were little, and and we would like make excuses. But in the past couple of years, it's been like a really great way for us to like experience vacation in a new way mm-hmm. and to experience new churches and and the beauty of churches and and talk about our faith and and so now it's become like the focal point of our vacations like where can we go that's awesome that's going to be almost like yeah. a pilgrimage in the middle of this beach trip or whatever like really finding ways to incorporate and that's huge for our kids too to see that because they need yeah. to know that this is important enough that even when we're outside of our home church yeah. we still go and for me as a protestant that didn't make any sense yeah. Cuz you only go to your church. You don't right. go to somebody else's church. Right. You just go to your church. Like you're not going to like find a church on the road like right. the Catholics we're all one, so it makes sense for us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's another thing you said Kendra that um basically that like kids are already have this longing in their hearts mm-hmm. and teens have mm-hmm. this longing in their hearts for something they don't know what it is. And and for some they know like I swear Tessa knows who Jesus is at this very young age. Yeah. And it's just allowing that to continue to grow. But I heard, I've heard recently a couple of times that like sometimes we have this like automatic switch that we think happens in terms of like teenagers becoming, you know, followers of Jesus or like disciples or like, okay, well, you're a child, so you're too young to like really be a missionary or a lover mm-hmm. of the Lord or a teacher of the faith or, or even understand what's really happening. There's no switch that flips. It's not like once you become 14, now you're old enough to like right. understand the faith. Like these are little ones, like I'm really feeling the call to pour into 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old, like 13-year-old yeah. kids that if we can share with them the love of Jesus at that age yeah. and capture their hearts for him and allow him to reach their hearts, that's going to make a huge difference lifelong. Yeah. Especially through their teen years. Right. When they need him yeah. the most, like yeah. before all the crazy doubts set in <clears throat> and before the world tells them a hundred different things and pulls them in a hundred different directions, like let's show them Who's Jesus. they are. Yeah. Who's they are. Who's they are. Yeah. And and the other thing that keeps stirring in my heart is this idea that the Eucharist is not just a theological concept. Yeah. It's a person. Oh, yeah. And if our goal is to know Jesus and to love Jesus and allow him to touch our hearts and change our lives, there's no better way to do that than by experiencing his body, blood, soul, and divinity truly present for us. Mm-hmm. There's just... No other way. Doesn't, I mean, it's it's the pinnacle. 
Right. It's the peak of what yeah. of what we can do. Yeah. So. Ooh. Ooh, this is fun. This is fun. <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's funny because we were like, well, we can talk about it. I don't know. <laughs> Let's find out. Let's see what the Holy Spirit says. So Jesus brought the magic just like we prayed for. Yes. <laughs> no. All right. So. God is good. What's God doing in your heart, Kendra? What is God doing in my heart? Hmm. I'm still marinating and just looking back on the episode with Father Charlie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just how he knows my heart. Father Charlie or the Lord? The Lord. Both. Probably both. <laughs> yes. Just how God knows my heart and knew that I just needed that little, uh, I guess, truth bomb, I guess you could say. Yeah. <laughs> truth bomb that pertained to me that for a, a wound that I didn't know I had. And I remember going into the Adoration Chapel right after, like immediately after that episode and just sitting with it and praying into it. And finally, I just told Jesus, I was like, I was so angry that they took you away from me Mm. and I had been harboring that. And I didn't realize that I had been harboring that. Um, But they're being faithful and obedient and doing the best of what they could. And, and I was able, like, whenever I said that, I just, it was this moment of reality with God, like sanctified reality, I guess you could say, I don't know. Mm. That's kind of, my own little term, I guess, um, the sanctified reality in his presence that he was able to hear me and love me through. And I just felt this release. Mm. It was really beautiful. It was really cool. Like this palpable heaviness in my chest. I was able just to release it. Um, really what that is, is really cool is, uh- it's like the steps of deliverance almost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like recognizing the lie or the wound. Absolutely. And calling it out. Yeah. And allowing the Lord to heal it. Yeah. Because what was that doing? Me holding on to that. Yeah. No good fruit was coming from it. Right. Right. And it was one of those like lies that the devil was presenting yeah. in our ears. They took him away from you. Yeah. And it, and it was. They it, took him they, away from you. They, whoever they is. It was against them. Yeah. Right? So. But, but that's what he does is he gives us these lies to hold on to mm-hmm. that keep us bound and keep us frustrated mm-hmm. and angry and don't allow yeah. healing and growth. And and it was almost clouded in this righteous anger. Mm. You know, this righteous, righteous anger bitterness. can be dangerous. Yeah. 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 Um, so it was just really cool. So I'm kind of just basking in his goodness with that and awesome. just, uh, you know, going from grace to grace. We'll see what's next. That's so good. what about you, Meg? So I... Um, have been doing a couple different like devotionals and and reading scripture and stuff. And the word just Mm. or justice keeps coming up for me. And that's not a word that I would usually care about. Yeah. (laughs) I don't don't want to deal with anyone about justice being just. I don't (laughs) like that. I don't like that at all. And, uh, and I tried to like ignore it at first and and it just kept coming and kept coming and I could not for the life of me make sense of it. Mm -hmm. And it was clear though, like when the Lord speaks that way, where he gives you the same theme over and over and over that there's, there's meaning behind it. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I asked him (laughs) because I learned recently that you can just ask if you don't know what he's trying to to say, just ask him and he will tell you. And so I did. And, uh, this is what he said to me. I see the brokenness in the world and I make it right. No longer will I let my people live in chains and darkness. It is time to step into the light and be set free. Mm. 
That's Which really, amazing. that's basically what happened to you, right? Yeah. Like the chains were holding you down. Yeah. Even though it didn't feel like chains. Right. It felt like it was a good thing to be upset about. and But I think we all have these chains and things that keep us in the dark. And I really feel like that's what God's calling us to with February 18th is just mm-hmm. to allow people to lay down whatever it is. And it may be something huge. It may be something tiny. Like, and it may be even coming to the place where, oh, I guess I do have something I should Yeah, because you don't down, right? even know. We don't even know. Yeah. But yeah, that's beautiful. I love when you said that to me, it, it made so much click for my heart too. Um, just like God is who he says he is and he loves his children and he is going to fight for them. And he sees this broken world hurting so deeply and he's, he's going to fight for, yeah. for us, you know, in the, in, in his justice, mm-hmm. like it is just for him to fight for his. Belief. Right. Yeah. It's him, him being just and yeah. him having justice. I don't have to have yeah. justice. It's not necessarily seeking justice or vengeance or anything yeah, like that. It's like, him wanting to fight for his just. people. Yeah. And, uh, and really that is father Charlie's mission mm. in a nutshell is he wants to be able to bring people to a place where the Lord can access their hearts yeah. and free them. I mean, that is a huge, huge calling that the Lord has put on father Charlie and so much so that he would have tons and tons of people in line waiting to mm. be prayed with. And so then he had this, you know, calling from the Lord of, it doesn't have to just be you, Father Charlie. You can train others, and mm-hmm. and so we get to like be part of that. And I don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah, but it's fun to step into um, this new calling that the Lord has on our hearts to be able to invite people into that place of healing. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's, it is cool. It's big and cool. Scary and yeah, You're a little terrifying. <laughs> yeah, but still cool. Yeah. So yeah. Well, so I hope you guys are with us on February eighteenth. And come to Unbound with us too. Yes. In February. Actually, this may come out after that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, I won't mention that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Set free um, on February 18th. We've just been blown away by um, just the excitement about it. And yeah. we have 90, 90 plus people that have women and young girls that have signed up to come and join us. And we're just blown away by that and so excited. And it's not. It's not anything we're doing. Like it's hands down, 100% God just opening the door and women saying yes. Like he's just calling his daughters to his heart. It's Mm. so incredible. Yeah. And I'm so excited. And you guys are saying yes to that invitation Mm -hmm. to come and just be with him. Mm -hmm. And I keep saying like if Kendra and I could just like be far, far away where nobody could see us and James too, and we could just all point everybody at Jesus, (laughs) that would be the best, best um, possible night for us. For sure. For sure. Awesome. So God is moving in this ministry in exciting ways. We're doing that women's night. We're also doing a um, a retreat for young girls, which we're so excited about. And um, so we just ask for prayers as we just step into this path that he puts before us. And um, it's very exciting, but just know without a shadow of a doubt that we pray for you and we think of y'all when we're recording and, um, and just we, as if you're sitting here in the room, like seriously. Yeah. And we scream and cheer every time our phones ding with a new person buying tickets yes. because, because it's not just like, Oh, we have another person in the seats. It's that's another heart that the Lord yes. gets to encounter. And that yes. is just the desire of our hearts is to bring you guys to him. Yeah. So, yeah. So 
If you feel called to share anything about his beloved, please do so. Not yeah. for our sake, but for the sake of the kingdom, for, for women's hearts to come closer to him and his love for them. Yep. So, we would love that. Yeah. All right. See you next week. See you next time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>